Hello, 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 and welcome in to another edition of the Sports Kiki Podcast. It is Saturday, March 12th, the day that we turn the clocks forward. Ooh, I can kind of smell spring in the air if I ignore that snow still on the ground. Uh, my name is Alex Reamer. Thank you, as always, for listening. Uh, have a big show for you today. I know I say that often, but today I really mean it. Two mammoth topics that under usual circumstances would need their own shows to discuss, but since they all both came out this week, we're jamming them into this show. So an action-packed edition of the Sports Kiki podcast. Uh, last Saturday, we had a story at OutSports about a trove of homophobic tweets from active NBA players Now, full disclosure, we've been working on the story for a while. I knew it was coming Saturday when I recorded my podcast last week, but the show gets published at 6 a.m. Eastern on all your favorite podcast platforms. We weren't ready to publish the story until sometime Saturday late morning or early afternoon. So with the utmost caution in mind, out of the utmost caution, oh, we love that phrase, two years of hearing that in abundance in our COVID era, uh, I decided to hold off on talking about the story last week, diving into it this week. And though we published the story a week ago, the fallout continues. On Wednesday, we had our first NBA player take responsibility and publicly apologize for his tweets from his past, 76ers forward Paul Reed. So the story continues to play out and Hopefully we'll have updates as the days and weeks progress because this is something that we don't think can be ignored. So let's start out. For those of you who have not yet read the story, and if you haven't, I highly encourage you do so. Don't just take my word for it. But a few uh, a few numbers here just to tell you what we're talking about, some background to the story, and then we'll expand upon why we published it and why we think the story is so important. Uh, a young gay NBA fan sent us a list of 78 anti-gay tweets from 40 active NBA players who play on 23 different teams. Now, most of these tweets were sent years ago. The time frame, 2009 through 2014-2015, roughly, is the time frame in which most of these tweets were sent. Many of the players were teenagers or in college when they sent these tweets. Kevin Durant is a notable exception, who sent off two anti-gay tweets in 2009, using the F word, tweeting, you sound gay, son. He was playing for the Thunder in 2009, so Durant was already a professional, but most of the other players in high school or college when these tweets were sent and, uh, you know, so we, we got the list, we went through it, we published the story I mentioned last Saturday, and, you know, a lot of these tweets, a lot of similar language, no homo is seen quite often, including from Players Association President CJ McCollum, Patrick Beverly is in here, he used the F word in a tweet, Zach Levine is on our list, Draymond Green tweeted in 2009, shut up gay boy. Probably the worst is Tory Craig of the Suns. He tweeted, all gay N-words need a bullet put in their head. 
He also tweeted, oh yeah, I hate gay dudes. He had another one as well. Now, what's notable is, one of the many notable things is, a lot of these tweets have been deleted. Leading up to, immediately leading up to, or since publication of our story. So that means that these players and their representatives are aware that these tweets were up there. And again, though many of them were sent years ago, they remained live up until our story was published. So they were up there for all to see, including this young gay NBA fan, for many years. And yet, they don't issue a single statement about it. They're all involved in a cover-up. The apparent mindset is, let's delete these tweets and hope nobody notices. And that is just so wrong in so many levels. It really is. Because here's the thing. We published our story not to shame any particular player. We know that people say regretful things in their youth all the time. I said a lot of stupid crap. When I was young, I still say a lot of stupid crap today. We all make mistakes. We all misspeak. We're all dumb at one point or another. Something that somebody tweeted when they were 16 or 17 years old does not necessarily reflect their views today. We know that. So that was not the point of our story, which is why we didn't focus on one particular player. This is a trend piece. The reason why we published this story and why we think it's so important is it shows that words matter and still can induce harm even when they were posted or uttered years ago. I mean, again, to go back to how we started on this project, a young gay NBA fan sent us these tweets. So if this young fan was able to find the tweets, who knows how many other young gay or LGBTQ fans saw these tweets over the years. doesn't matter that they were tweeted in 2011 or 2012. If they were still live and they were, on these players' Twitter accounts, they could be found with a very simple Twitter search. So that's the point of the story. And the point of the story is, you know, can these players now step up and say, look, I was very young and immature and uneducated when I sent those tweets years ago. I am now a professional basketball player. I'm an adult. My views have evolved. That's it. That's simple. You look like the good guy because you're taking accountability and saying your views have evolved. This is not some game of gotcha, and it just kind of stinks that in our culture today, there is this great, such a fear of the pitchfork army, and I think in many cases, rightfully so, but the whole environment means that nobody can sit down and really have a conversation. I mean, you have these players, you know, who say again, let me just secretly delete these tweets, not address it, ignore it, pretend like it never happened, and the story will blow over. And that is not the way to move forward as a people. That is not the way to address significant issues when we're we're afraid to look at ourselves and take accountability. And that's what's happening here. And it's a shame. Uh, Derek Gordon, I think, hit the nail on the head. He said to us, uh, Derek Gordon, of course, came out publicly as gay, playing for UMass in 2014. He now plays professionally in Greece. Uh, or in Cyprus. He plays professionally in Europe. He was playing in Cyprus, actually. Um, he goes, I don't care how long ago it was, meaning these tweets. It shows the person's character, in my opinion. 
It's a slap in the face to me, to other people in my community. That's disrespectful. I'm not for people losing their jobs, but words like that can't be tolerated. That's very significant because Derek Gordon played, plays pro basketball now, played high-level college basketball. He's a blackout gay man, and he's saying, I don't care that these tweets were sent years ago. They're disrespectful, and they can't be tolerated. So... That's why I say especially we need some accountability here because somebody like Derek Gordon, who is in it way more than any of us, he actually lives this life, being an out gay pro basketball player, says words like these can't be tolerated regardless of when they were sent. And that's why it was so refreshing to get an apology from Paul Reed, 76ers forward, who I mentioned a little earlier. Uh, The Sixers forwarded us an apology from Reed this week, and it was straightforward, it was mature, and now we move on. Uh, Reed had a couple of tweets in 2014. He tweeted, bitches be gay today, by tomorrow, pregnant Sunday, ha, nice. Uh, sent in another one in 2015. Why is it so many N-words, dressing up like girls and putting on wigs, trying to be funny, shit gay, 100%. So this is Reed's apology. Last week, two insensitive statements that I made on social media as a teenager were published in an article. The statements do not reflect the man I am today, and I've deleted them from my account. I sincerely apologize for any hurt that these posts have caused both then and now. Over the years, my eyes have been opened to the struggles that the LGBTQ plus community faces every day. Now more than ever, equality is crucial and essential for the future of our communities. And that is... An important statement for Paul Reed to make, to say, I made these ridiculous comments, or as he calls them, insensitive statements when I was a teenager that don't reflect my views today, and now more than ever, equality is crucial. And we see that with the raft of uh, the raft of anti-trans policies and trans sports bans that continue to be passed in legislatures throughout the country. We have what's going on in Texas, which is absolutely deplorable, uh, making it child abuse for parents to seek treatment for their transgender children. In Florida, the don't say gay bill, as they call it, has just passed through the legislature. And you start hearing things like anti-grooming. You know, these are anti-grooming bills. Anti-grooming implies pedophilia. I mean, are we really going back to that where we're saying that gay people are akin to pedophiles? seems like we're getting pretty close in some of these states. That's for sure. Um, so that's why it's so important for someone like Paul Reed, a pro basketball player playing for the best teams in the East, the NBA, the 76ers, they're having a great season. He's part of it. And for him to come out and say publicly, I'm not running away from these tweets I made in the past. I'm taking accountability and this is how I plan to move forward. And it's refreshing to see. And again, it it just shows that tackling these issues head on is the best way to go. I also go back to what Jason Collins told told us for the article. He was talking about when he was privately out, meaning out to his friends and family, but not yet publicly out. He was playing in the NBA. He was with the Celtics in 2012, which keep in mind was a very veteran team. That was Kevin Garnett. Paul Pierce was on that team. Uh, I think Ray Allen left for the Heat at that point, but still a very, very veteran group there. The old big three. And Collins said, He used to keep a diary that season and write down all of the anti-gay slurs that he heard throughout the locker room. 
but he had to stop after two weeks because it was too mentally taxing. And then he came out and told us last week, some of these same guys who I heard using those words were some of my biggest supporters, allies who had my back when I came out publicly. Speaking from my experience, there is a disconnect sometimes between someone who uses casual homophobia and then once you show them who you are, they will step up and have your back. And that's true too. And we see that all the time as well. Which is why, again, there's nothing to be afraid of if you're a player to address these tweets. It's a good look for you. And better yet, it contributes to the betterment of society. Not to sound all high and mighty, but it does. Because it's saying, I said these stupid things in the past, and I don't believe these things anymore. And now we have on the record an active NBA player, and in some of these cases, an NBA superstar, publicly supporting the LGBTQ community. And in these times, especially, as Paul Reed said, that is so important. So we'll continue to be on this story. Again, not to shame any particular player, but to try to move the conversation forward, which can only happen if we address what happened and what went wrong in the past. All right, so the other uh, story that I want to talk about this week is the detainment of Brittany Griner, who, as of this recording, remains detained in Russia. Uh, we found about we found out about this early last week. Uh, she was detained a few weeks ago for trying to bring hashish oil through airport security in one of her carry-on items, uh, bringing hashish oil through vape pen cartridges. The max penalty in Russia is 10 years in prison for this kind of crime. And it's an awful situation, to say the least. What's really weird about this story is we found out about it early last week, and yet Griner was detained weeks ago. So what was up with that lag? I mean, man, in 2022, we can still have a prominent U.S. citizen, U.S. athlete, be detained in an authoritarian country and we don't know about it for weeks. The public doesn't know about it for weeks. I mean, that is pretty scary 1984 level type stuff. Um, And, you know, this is such a bad situation because, well, Russia is invading Ukraine right now. And the fear is that Vladimir Putin could use Brittany Griner as a leverage ploy in negotiations with the West and say, yeah, we'll go easier on Brittany Griner maybe even release Brittany Griner, but you have to fulfill these security concerns that we have. And now Brittany Griner becomes a pawn in this nasty war, geopolitical, geo, you know, geopolitics, and it's, it, it's terrible. And she's just hanging out in a Russian prison, I guess, while we wait for this to be sorted out. And with that in mind, I mean, there... I don't know, you know, what can the U.S. government do? I mean, maybe they can offer concessions towards Russia, but I don't know if they would want to do that. Um, you know, she was in Russia. She was playing for a Russian team, you know, taking taking their money. Uh, you know, I mean, she, it seems like, could unfortunately be in for a long ride through the, through the, I don't even want to, through the scary Russian legal system, I think is probably the best way to put it. Um so if the government's hands are tied here, you know, there is something we can do, though, as a public 
to bring more attention to this case and to maybe force our government's hands to act more aggressively here and maybe force Putin's hands to release Griner and clean this up. And that is, let's bring attention to this case. And you can bring attention to this case by talking about it. I mean, it is crazy to me that this is not one of the dominant sports stories in the country this week. Brittany Griner is a bonafide star. She's a two-time gold medalist, WNBA champion, college champion at Baylor, seven-time all-star. For our purposes, she's one of the most visible and successful out athletes going today, male or female. So this is not some fringe player getting detained. This is a major bonafide American sports star, black woman, openly gay. So big deal. Now, why was Brittany Griner playing in Russia in the first place? Well, this is where a lot of the structural issues come into play. And that's why this story is so important. It's not just Brittany Griner being detained in Russia, but the lack of media coverage speaks to the disparities in coverage that men and women sports receive, the disrespect that women athletes receive in many corners, uh, and also the lack of equal pay between pro female basketball players and NBA players. WNBA players can make five to eight times as much playing overseas as they can here. Uh, John Quell Jones, an out player for the Suns, the reigning MVP, she was playing in Russia on the same team as Griner. And she tweeted March 2nd that she landed in Turkey and wanted to cry because she was finally able to escape. So, I mean, we have the reigning MVP playing on the same Russian team as Brittany Griner because WNBA players can make five to eight times playing as much overseas and not just anywhere, right? I mean, they're not just playing in like France or Germany or, you know, Brazil or, you know, another Western country where you say, all right, I mean, culturally pretty similar to the United States in terms of men and women. No, I mean, this is Russia. (laughs) I mean, this is telling you that the landscape for women's sports is maybe better in Russia from a financial standpoint than it is here in the States. I mean, that is really messed up. Um, So, you know, and the WNBA isn't blameless either. I mean, this is a league that has a salary cap. It's very suppressive of superstar wages. Griner, for example, made about 220 grand last season. That's less than a third of the minimum salary in the NHL. Yet she's the fourth highest paid player in the entire WNBA and in the in the entire WNBA. You know, LeBron makes like 40 million a year in the NBA as a comparison. Um and you know, we know that look, the WNBA does not produce nearly as much revenue as the NBA. The NBA season is 82 games long. The WNBA season is 38 games long, I believe. So they're also putting out less of a product, but you know, from from a quantity standpoint. Um but you know, structurally, there there are reasons for that too, right? I mean, we know the numbers that women's sports receive a tiny fraction of the coverage that men's sports do. So it's not really an equal playing field. I mean, the, the, the people are not given equal exposure to men's sports and women's sports. And when they watch the WNBA, it seems like they like it. Ratings surged 49% in 2020. Uh, so... What can we do as a public? Again, we can talk about this issue. We can make some noise about it. We can put the pressure on. Uh, Will Leach wrote a uh, piece in New York Magazine this week that spurned a lot of conversation. And he has one sentence in there that does really speak to the disparity we have. Making equivalences between sports only takes you so far. But seriously, imagine if Tom Brady were being held 
by Russian officials right now. Yeah, that's a pretty big statement to make. Again, as Leach himself says, making equivalences between sports only takes you so far. But seriously, Brittany Griner is a star in the WNBA, in women's basketball, in, in LGBTQ sports. She's on the level of a Tom Brady. Can you imagine the noise that would be made if Brady were held by Russian officials right now? Or, you know, even if Carson Wentz <laughs> were held by Russian officials or Nick Foles or Mitch Trubisky or Ryan Fitzpatrick, you know, name any mediocre NFL quarterback. A We Are the World song would probably be released by now. So, need to make more noise about Brittany Griner. This is just such a horrible, horrible story. Um... So hate to end this week's show on that note, but that's what we're going to do. Thank you for tuning in to episode number 107 of the Sports Kiki podcast. Uh, yeah, I told you it was a big show today. Had some important things to discuss. It's always great to unwind at the end of the week and just talk at you all for as long as I want. Uh, hopefully you enjoy listening. If you have any show ideas, guest ideas, you know how to find me. At AlexReamer1 is my name on Twitter. That again is at AlexRumor1. So long, everybody. I'll talk to you next Saturday.